Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Fan of History. I am the Fan of History, and with me is another Fan of History, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Well, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Uh, tonight we're talking about uh, the time period 1000 BC to 990 BC. And last time we talked about the world in 1000 BC where we kind of talked about how not a whole bunch was going on uh, in Europe and North America, North or, uh, uh, the Americas, rather. We talked about how the Olmecs had the most advanced art in the world. But other than that, they didn't have the wheel and they were kind of behind the times. Yeah, in the dark age. We can't, and we don't know what they wrote. And uh, in Europe, there was not a whole bunch going on, and kind of the the world was sort of in an emerging time. Yeah, uh, we have already done this on YouTube, so uh, you should check out our YouTube channel. We'll put the link in the show notes, and you can search YouTube for Final History. Uh, We're going to go deeper in the podcast, but uh, YouTube is always a little ahead of us, so right now it's 150 years. Mm-hmm. And, and the YouTube channel also has a really good really good maps and it has examples of the Olmec art and you know other other really neat visual visual things that we just can't do in a podcast. True. So I recommend you check it out also. So let's talk about uh, the first decade of the first millennium before the common era. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the Lapita culture. These are the proto-Polynesians and uh, there are findings from this time that tell anthropologists that the people that originally came from the Bismarck archipelago have passed through Melanesia and reached Tonga. So these guys are traveling far, 3,000 years ago, in the Pacific Ocean. How, how do they... Now, I'm, I'm curious, Dan. 3,000 years ago, you know, they didn't, they didn't have, you know, modern-day yachts or boats or anything. How do, how do, they, how do they really uh, get around? In the in the especially in the ocean that can be, you know, really it can be rough and unforgiving and storms and how, how do they do it? It's almost the Southern Pacific, which is the most dangerous ocean in the world. 
So they, they travel with uh, very small primitive canoes, but they're long and I think they're stabilized um, on the side with outriggers. Is that the real English term? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they just uh, they seem to randomly search for islands. The Polynesians will be doing this in an even greater scale because the Lapita culture doesn't find uh, New Zealand, for example. Okay. But they find a lot of the islands in Indonesia and in the Pacific. Okay. And when they were traveling, I'm, I'm curious, what were they, what were they, were they looking for anything? Or are they just looking for new places or were they looking to peep for people to trade with or what? It seems they're colonizing okay. and their, their goal is to colonize uninhabited places. Okay. All right. Because nobody have they, they reach a lot of places that no man has seen before. Okay. Uh, so they are actually doing more than uh, all the Europeans are doing, pretty much, because Europe is uh, pretty dull at this time. Uh, Greece is in the Dark Age, uh, have forgotten how to write, etc. We talked about that mm-hmm. last time. Yeah, and they will actually be without writing for another 300 years. Okay. Um, in Italy, there are the Villanovans. And they are in northern Italy, uh, but they are in their early stage where they're still egalitarian. So there's no, there seems to be no chieftains and no power structure at all. But the, the civilization that will later become the Etruscans is present in Italy. There are also some Latins of some sort living on Palatine Hill, uh, but there is nothing that could be classified as Rome <laughs> at this time. Okay. Uh, we did talk about the Old Testament. Well, we last time we talked about how there wasn't any um, nothing, nothing that no no information that we have about history correlated with what was in the Old Testament at that time. Yes. So actually, this is an, a decade where a lot of stuff happens in the Old Testament. We're, we're not going to talk about that then because we're going to use the Old Testament as a source from 884 BC onwards from the reign of King Omri, who is. Confirmed in two uh, non-biblical sources. Okay. So let's move to Assyria. The ancient kingdom of Assyria is still around. It has uh, great warriors. It's ruled by Ashurabi II. And he seems to be a a hard-fighting Assyrian king under horrible circumstances. But somehow he keeps his land intact. There are a lot of Aramean tribes, a lot of... Uh, barbarian tribes in the Sagros Mountains of Iran that threaten Assyria. Assyria is in northern Iraq today, but uh, Assyria is fighting to stay alive at this time, and it succeeds. Uh, Barely. And then we actually have a dated event from 995 BC. So this is our first really dated event. And of course, dating is extremely uncertain at this time the sources are very weak very vague and every date we're going to mention before 9-11 BC will be contested uh, but this is 995 BC and it's the third king of Su China King Kang no, not, not, not uh, the giant a good, monkey strong king <laughs> no not the giant monkey but uh, uh, almost <laughs> as strong <laughs> he has brought um, the Su dynasty to new heights, and he dies this year, giving uh, the throne to his son, King Shao. And King Shao has probably suffered from a, a dominant, strong father, and taken up, waited a long time to take the throne. 
and he has really lost interest for power. So he's he is um, he is into collecting animals. He he's a zoo manager pretty much, and he loves uh, all the rare birds and animals. And his great interest is pandas and uh, nice birds and stuff, and not really controlling China. But his role is to control China, and that might lead to problems later. <laughs> we don't want to give away too much, but something might happen later, no. so stay tuned. <laughs> uh, yes, something might happen. A brief mention of India. Uh, there's research going on right now about this period in India, so a lot of it is uncertain. There are two powerful... Um, Aryan kingdoms in the north of India called Kuru and Panchala and that's almost as much as we know. It seems that southern India is still controlled by the Dravidians, the indigenous uh, Indian people compared to the Aryans. And then we have another very legendary event in 994 BC that is, uh, if it happened it probably didn't happen this year, but it's dated in 994 uh, it's the Archippus, the Archon of Athens. He dies after a reign of 19 years and is succeeded as Archon by his son Thersippus. Maybe you say Archon in English? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it seems that Athens actually survived the Bronze Age collapse and the Dorian invasion of Greece. But given that the rest of the Greek mainland is lost to the Dorians, and these are nomadic herdsmen that destroy everything they come across and make everybody else nomadic herdsmen <laughs> so but Athens has withstood this but they Athens have still lost all of its trading partners and writing and Athens is a like a, a village pretty much compared to what it will become later and what it was in the 13th century BC okay so so they, they don't have any writing in uh, in Greece uh no, actually, the, their old writing was extremely complicated, so very few people knew it, so it was easy to forget okay. it. And then, uh, well, at this time, it does who who does have writing? Uh, the uh, Assyrians have writing, the Olmecs have writing, China has writing, uh, Babylon has writing, the, the old Mesopotamian area all have writing. It's also extremely complicated, so a very small percentage of the population is literate. And of course, Egypt has a system of hieroglyphs that has been going on for thousands of years. So Egypt uh, is number one in writing. But that's pretty much it. The, it. It could be mentioned that in India, there was a system of writing as well that has also been forgotten. And we can't read that either. It's the writing of the Indus Valley civilization. But that civilization has been destroyed a long time before this. Uh, yeah, about the Olmecs then, there is a, a block called the Cascayal block in Mexico uh, that is uh, a good early sample of Olmec writing. And from this block you can uh, decipher that the Mayan hieroglyphs that will arise later, the Mayan are hanging around in Yucatan looking at the Olmecs who are ruling in more mainland Mexico. And uh, the Mayans are far behind the Olmecs. And on this block you can see that the Olmec writing is probably uh, the ancestor of Mayan writing. Okay. 
I wish we could read it. <laughs> but we can't read any of it, though. No, I think any we can names. read the Mayan writing when it arises okay. later. Okay. In uh, 992 BC, the pharaoh of Egypt called Amenemope dies. He reigned for nine years, starting in 1001 BC. He is a pharaoh of the 21st dynasty. And he's the son of a much greater pharaoh called Susanus I. Uh, so Amenemope's tomb has been found. It is, was a small tomb with smaller treasure, but it was still uh, greater than Tutankhamun's. So uh, if you look at ancient Egyptology, you must know that Tutankhamun's tomb, which is so legendary because we found it uh, without it. it. It hadn't been robbed. So we thought that this was like, oh, wow, this tomb has so many great riches, but... Tutankhamun was an extremely unimportant pharaoh and that's like a garbage burial for an Egyptian pharaoh. There are much more interesting pharaohs that whose tombs actually haven't been found. But Amenemope's tomb is found, it's at Tanis, and an upcoming pharaoh that is more interesting called Siamun will actually take Amenemope's mummy and his tomb and rebury all of it in a couple of years. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Now, I, I just have one question about um, uh, um, MNP. He ruled for nine years. Isn't that that's kind of isn't that like out of the the ordinary for uh, Egyptian rulers? Because don't they usually say they reign for you know hundreds of years? And um, or or is that just we just know it was from one thousand one to nine ninety two BC? Actually, the Egyptians and... are good at uh, writing things down. We know he ruled for nine years because they uh, count time uh, by the ruler years. We have like events happening in Amenemope's ninth year. But exactly which nine years are extremely contested. <laughs> okay. So I've gone with a set of dating that exists, but there are other sets of dating. 
but his replacement is very interesting uh, because he is not uh, succeeded by a son because succession in Egypt traditionally goes with uh, daughters so you have to marry what a daughter, an important daughter, probably the number one daughter of the earlier king to become the king. And that's why the pharaohs marry their sons to their daughters. So you often marry your sister because your sister carry the, the right to be pharaoh. But this time a Libyan war chief marries the daughter of Amenemope. And he's the son of a guy called Shoshenk. Who has the nice title Great Chief of the Ma or Great Chief of the Meshwesh. And this is a Libyan tribe. But they have been displaced and they are employed or actually enslaved by Egypt. Uh, but <laughs> Which is a very interesting development. And this is a trailer for the 22nd dynasty which will consist only of Libyan war chiefs. This guy is called Osorkon the Elder. Okay, and, and I'm curious: Has anything like this happened before, where where someone who wasn't in an Egyptian? Uh, yes, but it the... had happened by force. So there was invasions by the Hyksos, for example. But this time, it's very different because in in the Bronze Age collapse, in at the end, at the beginning of the 12th century BC, uh, the great pharaoh Ramses III crushed the Libyans because they had assisted the Sea Peoples in attacking Egypt. And he took the uh, Libyans prisoner. So he brought like tons of Libyans to Egypt and made them an army. So there, there was a Libyan army that obeyed the pharaoh pretty much as slaves. And it's the ancestors of these Libyans that are the war chiefs of the Ma. So they are very Egyptianized. So it, it's often been made a, a fuss about why is a Libyan becoming the pharaoh of Egypt here. But I think it's really a... He's an Egyptian pretty much in his head. He, he thinks like an Egyptian this time. They've been in Egypt for 200 years. Okay. So he, he's just not from like Egyptian lineage, but he's Yeah, they're Egyptian. actually... If you look at the, the pictures, you know, the, the Egyptians loves to write, uh, love to draw on walls. And Libyans are very different... So this guy is very different from, uh, uh, or a guy, I don't know if there's a picture of him actually, but other Libyans, the later Libyans, the 22nd dynasty, they're all different because they're much lighter skinned. They often have blue eyes and they always have a feather in their hair. So that's the giveaway. If you're a Libyan, you have a feather in your hair in, in on the Egyptian walls, in the drawings. Okay. Do we do we know why that is? Is it some probably some kind of, you know... T- uh, spiritual or religious kind of a thing? I have no idea. But uh, the Libyans were lighter skinned than Egyptians. so And that that is shown. Uh, this guy was a mystery for a long time. Also called the Elder. And there is another name called Akiperes Setepenre for him. And he wasn't put in the right place in the chronological order. Until quite recently in Egyptology. So they used to have like a gap here where they didn't know who was pharaoh but it seems that it was Osorkon the elder and he will give power back to an Egyptian so it's probably an Egyptian then that marries his daughter but he's gonna be around until next episode how long oh he rules until uh he rules till 
986. Okay. 886. Uh, 986. Yeah. Uh, I have some. Uh, very vague events happening around 1000 BC that I want to mention. They are hard to date to a specific year. Uh, it's uh, 1000 BC is often considered the start of the Iron Age, and that's the simplification. Uh, iron has been around since 2000 BC. The Hattites, uh, the Hattite Empire, did have did try to keep iron a secret. But some people in India also knew about iron. It is very hard to make good iron weapons at this time. You have to know how much carbon you put into the iron to make it steel. And these iron weapons, they're always steel in some sort. Because there's always carbon in it. If you just make a sword in, of iron, it's uh, useless against the bronze weapons. But if you put carbon in it, then it's much stronger than the bronze weapons. And so iron is plentiful, but the technology to make steel swords is very, or steel weapons, is very rare. But there is actually a, an iron dagger in Tutankhamun's tomb. And Tutankhamun is, uh, as I said, much earlier than this. But the only ones that are really looking into equipping their army with iron at this time is uh, the Assyrian. Okay, and, uh, and something Assyrians. might happen with them later too, right? Uh, something might happen. Uh, so everyone is using bronze uh, still. Uh, there is some iron working in Athens, actually. And there is some iron working in uh, the Levant, that is Israel, Syria. Okay. Hey, I, I have a question. How long does the, does the Iron Age last? Like, when, when does it go to the next age? It pretty much lasts into, uh, until uh, after Jesus. So it's, it goes far beyond the scope of our podcast. So we are going to be in the Iron Age for the entire... Yeah, for most of... For this narrative, at least. Right, right. Okay. And, and I, just had, I just wanted to ask one other question about the... They add carbon to the iron to, to make it stronger, so it's, it's uh, steel weaponry. But just to... to um, just to point out, it's not like modern day steel or even, uh, I, I, re- I remember reading back in school when I was a kid, um, about the civil war is kind of when they really started making like modern day steel. Yes. This is, um, uh, it's, it's very, the quality is very poor and it, it gets better. And it's the secret of making better steel is, is very important. So the quality of the steel will improve constantly. Uh, but bronze is the ingredients to bronze are easy to find, and but they no they're not easy to find they're rare, but it's easy to make. Whereas iron is plentiful, but it's hard to make. So that's why iron eventually uh, replaces bronze entirely. But the the findings of uh, copper and tin then that you need to make bronze it's uh, in entirely different areas. For example, Egypt can make bronze. But they can't make iron because they have no iron. Whereas the Assyrians, they can make both. So it, uh, it's going to become a power shift when iron weapons spread over the continent. Uh, in Iran, there are uh, Aryan people coming into uh, ancient the, the mountains in the Sagros and uh, the upper, upper part of Iran, the northern part. And these people will eventually become the Medes and the Persians. Uh, 
that that's also far in the future. And that's about everything we know about this decade. So this is deep, deep in the dark age. So to sum it all up, there's not a whole lot of writing that we can read. Um, and it's um, still, still, it's the dark ages and it's kind of a, a real, uh, um, you know, some, some, some uh, groups are out colonizing uh, and others are just surviving. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, pretty much, and it's a it's a much bleaker world than the 13th century BC. So much has been lost, especially than in the Middle East. China is probably at its uh, cultural peak compared to everything that has gone before. Okay. So China is doing better than ever. Okay, and would you, would you say that's kind of that's um, uh, as a result of the the new king? It's a result of the dynasty in itself. It has had uh, okay. three kings at this point, and they have all been pretty great. And they have a strong central rulership. Uh, the barbarians are kept at bay, and uh, people are enjoying themselves in China at this time. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. Um, thanks, Dan. I uh, that's really great, really great information. Very interesting. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait to hear about what happens next. Um, and our next, our next report, uh, decade report will be on uh, our next podcast will be on nine ninety to nine eighty BC. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Babylon, for example, where stuff happens in this period. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That sounds great. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please uh, uh, like and share and go to our YouTube channel and subscribe uh, and check out the YouTube shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for watching, everybody. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 